When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be back with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. I don't know if that's a vodka IV bag or just the old school IV bag. Clearly, either Elijah's recovering or he's celebrating with the Tariq Hill news moving out of the AFC West. Good to be back. I'm tan. I'm healthy. I'm a little heavier. It was... Uh, it was drinks, it was grill, it was barbecue, it was golf. It was a good time spending uh, extended uh, days with my mother and grandmother down in Goodyear, Arizona. And quite frankly, I, I got about two or three houses or was headed that way, and I didn't mean to. Where you just, it's like you're in the scene of, of The Godfather, where Michael Corleone comes out of the bathroom starts firing, and then drops the gun. While I'm on the tee box, I I hook it left, and you just immediately drop the weapon. (laughs) And you just, oh, no. But uh, no damage done. Uh, Numbers to get in, 4663776467768085865 can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Spring football is back. We heard yesterday Elijah did a great job and big thanks to Connor as well Monday. Connor Clark. We heard from from Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush yesterday. We'll hear from some of the players today, i.e. that receiver room, Omar Manning, Alante Brown here in a little bit. NFL on our mind with the Tariq Hill news. Some fun uh, thoughts on Urban Meyer that I didn't have a chance to get to till today with the expose by uh, the the athletic story on Urban. So we can get there. Mike Babcock and Mike Schuhart this hour. Andy Markowski to talk a little tournament and you know where Nebraska goes to fill the spots by Doc Sadler. And I know that position was eliminated, but you still need a, a mind on the bench and also the Abdel Massey news. So we'll, we'll go all that direction here in one hour with Andy Markowski, former Husker. And uh, that is uh, that's what's up. So open phones to get in as well, and plenty to get to. How are you doing? You uh, you did not. I did not bring Arizona weather with me. It's cold. It's snowy. It's it's kind of gross out. But it'll be better by the weekend. You hanging in all right? The stash looks uh, is is wonderful as ever. It, it's a little more Magnum PI every time I see it, and it's going well. 
But you've been playing hurt. You've been playing well, but you've been playing hurt. Well, I've, been, I've, been, I've been dealing through it, playing through the pain. I was saying yesterday, it's, this is my my miniature version of the this Jordan flu, flu game. game. <laughs> yeah, uh, playing through. But today, I uh, haven't even had any uh, any cold and flu medicine in me, so I'm feeling much better today. I think I'm, I'm through the worst of it. Uh, that this weekend I was saying yesterday it was terrible, but I'm feeling much better today. Uh, ready for uh, ready to get back on the baseball diamond. I had to miss my first uh, my first baseball doubleheader of the season on Saturday. As oh I was, man, uh, sitting at home watching college basketball. That's not the worst punishment, but no, but you uh, you were not far from where you needed to be to take care of yourself. Yeah, this has got to be the worst I have felt since I had mono in like sixth grade. I had mono in sixth grade and that was pretty bad. But then this one, like this one was bad. Maybe this is just how like getting sick feels when you get older. Maybe I haven't, I didn't appreciate my, <laughs> my 17 year old immune system enough whenever I had it. But yesterday I was like this weekend, I was like, man, I hope this isn't what just getting sick whenever I'm past the age of 20 feels like. Yeah. It, it, it's worse as you get older. Man. <laughs> it's worse as you get older. Uh, let's talk a little Nebraska football to uh, to get started. And tomorrow, uh, I want to remind you, we'll be down at Longwell's for the Sweet 16. We're live 4-6. to six. We'll lead you right in to NCAA tournament coverage. So we want to see you down at Longwell's. You want to sneak on down. Please do so. Get a beer, get some grub, and uh, enjoy with the uh, just the incredibleness of, of Longwell's and their giant screen, and it is made for you. And I know a ton of you went out for opening round action with Hooksy and Will and the morning hookup and Elijah. Uh, thank you for doing that. So one of you probably gave me the flu. Well, <laughs> or 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 not. <laughs> Maybe it was in your, your living room. I don't know. But the long and short is we're there tomorrow four to six ahead of uh, Sweet 16. We're there Friday four to six. So road shows for Hale Varsity down in the rail yard at Longwell's. Uh, what to see you there and some great ball games tomorrow night. And of course, you've got that UCLA Carolina matchup looming on Friday, which is great. And of course, Husker baseball, they'll be hosting Michigan. Chance to get back on track. We'll talk with Mike Babcock about some Husker baseball. But spring football, uh, Frosty, and, and uh, you'll have uh, Riola tomorrow, uh, which will be great, and, and more news. How, how's the, the week back been, right? And you, you hear a lot of the same things, and that is optimism, that is hope springing eternal with spring football with session, and and I would I would bet a large percentage of the Nebraska fan base is just in just total prove it mode. Uh, it's been four years of expectations of want to and then not happening for various different reasons, and. The, <laughs> the question is, why? tell me why this is going to be different. And I'm not going to get my heart put out like a Marlboro Red uh, until I see some wins. So why, why is it going to be better this time? And change can be good, right? And change is a reality in the form of new position coaches. Uh, change is different uh, with a coordinator and Mark Whipple. You still have uh, some of the, the old guard with a little bit of shifting on the defensive line with, with Dawson. But overall, it's, it's a new look on, on offense. 
and and that can be okay. It's a new look at quarterback. It's a new look in the running back room. You have some of the same faces in the wide receiver room, and I think that's okay too because of of the potential and the talent. And you want that potential to translate on Saturdays, and you've seen flashes of it. You saw Omar Manning make a lot of big plays, just not enough of them. And that's the question. Why why is Omar not on the field more? Where's Alante Brown been? He got in against Northwestern back during the COVID season and then, you know, milk carton. And and that has to do with, with your position group and your rotation and what are you doing in practice and what are you doing to get on the field. And and there's just no more I don't want to say jacking around, but we'll hear some comments in a moment. But just from an energy standpoint, and and to me, really, it's a leadership style. You've got a a very direct leadership style, and you've got a guy in Mickey Joseph that is is it's old hat for him to make connections with every kid. And figure out their personality. Figure out what kind of makes their clock wide. And it sounds like he's done a wonderful job of that because he's got great experience at that. And listen, I, I have no dislike towards Coach Lubick. I have no dislike towards Troy Walters, who is a really good coach, if you ask any of the coaches we have on, because of, his, of where he's been and guys you know, playing for a Super Bowl. Uh, or coaching for a Super Bowl with Cincinnati was Zach Taylor. So he, clearly Troy Walters can coach. Mickey Joseph, those at this level of he's been at different spots, he's been at different stops, and then he's been in the SEC. He's been in the big time. And he's he has been able to get out of guys that come in already at a super high level but they leave with a, an even higher level. That advertisement is is priceless when it comes to getting buy-in. And I think that's the biggest difference is you're, you're probably getting way more buy-in from an Omar Manning and Alante Brown, and you're being held accountable by Mickey Joseph because Mickey doesn't care. Mickey isn't going to jack around. Mickey's not going to going to uh, stroke you. He, he, this is how it's going to. This is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to be, or you're not playing. And I will find somebody else that's as good or better than you. I.e. Trey Palmer, <laughs> and he's coming up from LSU. So that accountability, and and what you're asking your kids to do, and and then getting them to do. So there there is a little bit more, less lip service to me this time around as to why. Why is it going to be different, right? Why is it going to be different for Nebraska in 2022 versus the last four seasons? Why is this year going to be different? And I think you, you look at the changes and the effect that it, it is having in spring just from guys that are willing to talk about, not bash, not stay focused in the rearview mirror on what was versus what hasn't happened or the why, it's new. It's different. There's a new sheriff in town, and this is the. These are Mickey Joseph's rules. These are uh, Coach Donnie Riola's rules. This is Mark Whipple's rule. And from a leadership standpoint, 
it just depends on the guy. And the the the, the shining example of self motivated is is Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah came in, loved his position coach, but earned it as a three star. And you saw what Amir did in, in Lincoln. There, there's very few Amir Abdullahs walking around where they are self driven. As the coach, as the adult, you've got to get out of your kid in your position group, that Amir Abdullah talent. Very few come in mature enough to work out on a Friday night, even in high school, just as an example. They're that driven, they're that dedicated. You're the adult, you're the coach, you got to find ways to, to get it out and get the buy-in, and I think that is happening. That is happening. Let's hear a little bit from Omar. Is this Omar or Alante? This is Omar uh, from yesterday after practice. From the time I got here to now, you, you can see the change in intensity. Like he's, he's not going to let us come to practice and, and be like lax basically. It's never going to be that with Mickey. You know, if, we, if we don't, if we're not ready, he's going to get on our tail. That's just how he is. So. so, what was allowed? What was allowed to happen in the wide receiver room? Just as as an example, going off of Omar's comments. I mean, it's just different and it's better because of the intensity, the demand, the requirement needed, and that's good news for for Nebraska. Uh, when it comes to to the rest of the receiver room, um, you have Alante Brown as well. We'll hear from in a second, but you know, Omar. You've seen glimpses. He's going to be asked to do a lot this year. I think he can be a monster matchup issue for defenses in the slot and a little bit more from a little bit more from Omar here about his path in Nebraska because Omar's a guy that's been in the program three years and you're waiting for him to have kind of that takeover type season. I, you know, like, well, now my first year I didn't play. You know, last year I felt like I got a foot in, in this offense, you know, and not returning this year. I'm just going to build off that. You know, I'm not even worried about the pass. You know, everything right now is moving forward and it's going great. So let's get a little bit of the energy topic here from Alante Brown. And he's a guy that is electric. He's quick. He's going to be good in space. He can also be a game changer for Nebraska. You know, the energy energy from last year, you know, comes from us. You know, we will start the energy. We have to start the energy. When, when, if Mickey comes in and like, let's go, I don't expect nothing less than this. We're held to that that standard, and we want to succeed that standard. So. It's kind of safe to say you've clicked with Mickey? Yes, everybody has. Most definitely. So we're talking about the Nebraska receivers. Quickly to the NFL news, Tariq Hill. This was straight up ego. He wanted to be the highest paid player in the NFL at wide receiver. He now is with $72 million guaranteed to Miami. Uh, he was offered five years, $160 million with plenty guaranteed. But what screwed this up is Devontae Adams being the highest paid receiver in football momentarily, i.e. in the same division when he went to Vegas. Uh, talks broke down between the Chiefs. So, there's not a single bigger game breaker in football. Think of the Buffalo game, where you throw a middle screen and you get into field goal range, or he takes it to the house. Think of the impact Tariq Hill had, where it took two guys to bracket him, and it still didn't matter. Up the middle. He stretched defenses crazy. That allowed Kelsey, who's still great, to get open. 
I think the Chiefs can still be a playoff team. They turned into a more methodical offense last year where you saw 12 to 15 play drives. They can still lean on the running game. They still have uh, Juju coming in. They've got Hardman, all right? Is he ready for prime time? Hardman's similar to Hill with his skill set. But this, to me, is just a, a, a death blow. You have the rest of the AFC West adding different pieces, major pieces to topple the kingdom. And Tariq Hill is a guy that is irreplaceable. Everyone's replaceable, but his skill set is so unique that it's it, to me... It, it's a major blow to Kansas City. They got value for him now versus maybe a couple of years later. He's 28. They got five draft picks, first, second, and fourth round. And there's a ton of NFL wideout or really high-level wideouts in this draft. Mm-hmm. But they don't make Tariq Hills, period, because of his speed in space and how it fit perfectly. And, oh, yeah, that scramble drill between him and Mahomes that was undefeated. Mike Babcock's on the way. <laughs> Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! More thoughts on Tariq Hill to Miami. And uh, Steve Atwater's one-on-one with Randy Gregory, the newest Bronco wearing number five. Historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you know? How are you? Well, uh, all these guys changing teams and stuff, you got to keep a notepad, right? So you know what's going <laughs> to happen come fall? No, you kind of do. And I'm just shaking my head a little bit here of can the Chiefs offense still be great? Yeah. Will it be as great? I don't know. I think that, I think this is a big deal just because of how special he'll, and listen, one guy doesn't make a team or an offense, but it really helps. I guess yeah, is what I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. I, I hate to see the Chiefs lose uh Tariq Hill. Elijah's partying. Yeah, man. man, it's the worst. I can't <laughs> believe Tyreek Hill's out of the division. Whatever am I going to do? <laughs> You're going to celebrate and hope you don't see him in the playoffs. As a closet Dolphins fan, I don't think – great. It's still two of throwing the football to him. He's either going to be on his back or ice in his knee. You know, he just – he's yeah, – I got to see more from Tua in year three, but they're putting more pieces around him. Babbers, uh, what did you think of yesterday uh, as Nebraska got back at it after spring football? We spent a little time to start the show off about, uh, you know, the, the mindset of Nebraska fans – you know, why is it, why is it really going to be different this year? Well, the, the first part of this year is winter conditioning. And then the, the second mile marker is, is the spring football part. You've got some new faces, you have some old faces, but uh, from a position group standpoint, it sounds and feels like that there, there definitely is some new and maybe some, some better 
with uh, with Mickey Joseph at the receiver spot, just what he's getting out of his guys. Yeah, well, I'm a Mickey Joseph fan, as I've probably said, but, um, you know, he was very frank about it uh, yesterday. He said, you know, you, you're here to win. That's it. I mean, he he has passion for Nebraska. He said that's, you know, always been the case since he's played here and whatever, but he said the bottom line is you got to win. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, he's having that hard-edge kind of approach with the receivers. He expects that from the receivers themselves, and there are a lot of guys in the mix. So, um, you know, it's, we talk about this always, but, uh, you know, optimism is the, is the characteristic of spring football, um, and we'll see what happens come fall. But, uh, you know, right now it looks like it's a good thing from the standpoint of uh, that receiver's room and, and what Mickey Joseph has got going in terms of how he's going to coach um, this football team. Well, and his coaching and also being able to connect from a different personality and, and get the most out of your kids, and you've been waiting on a, on a larger role from, from Omar Manning. You've been waiting on, on a, any role from Alante Brown because both guys have been in the program for a while, and you've seen really good flashes from Omar but you want to see that on a consistent basis. And it sounds like uh, Alante is a guy that has really picked up on Mickey's messaging, coaching style, and then doing what's asked. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, another Brody Belt's name comes up a lot. And uh, to me, that's reflective of, again, Mickey Joseph's approach. You know, this guy might be a, a walk-on player or whatever. You might not, you know, when you start – putting down the list of receivers, you might not necessarily think of his name very early on, but uh, Mickey Joseph uh, has said some good things about him, and I think that reflects how that things are going in, in terms of practice and Mickey's approach. Yeah, Mike, one thing that was a little bit interesting from the, the presser yesterday is we learned that Alante Brown's primarily been working on the outside and Omar Manning's primarily been working on the inside, which seems a little bit backwards based on what we've seen in the past couple of years here at Nebraska. But I, I, I don't want to get into the, the nuts and bolts of football of do you think it can work, but do you think maybe that, that these new ideas and new, uh, I guess, new perspectives we're seeing from these new coaching staffs are, are going to pay dividends in that way and that – yeah, well, we haven't really seen Omar in the slot. We haven't really seen Alante out, out wide. Maybe this is what is, is best for them, and it just took new coaches to see it. Yeah, maybe it is, and, and that's, what you, that's what you hope. That's what you expect from new coaches. You know, they look at it with a clear eye and say, here's the, here's the way we're going to take a look at it. And in the spring, that's what happens in the spring. You do those kinds of things. But, again, we'll see what happens comes fall. But right now, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic, I think. I want to get your thought on back to belt for a moment. I know he was a really talented kid. We got to see at Millard West. And, you know, he's he's had some flashes here. Mainly he's a talking point either early in fall camp or in spring. That's where you hear his name. And then you saw him towards the end of the season where he got some reps. But has he just been needlessly gathering dust has he been underutilized or is he just another off-season story well you know again we'll we'll see come fall but uh, certainly and and you're right there are there are players over the years that have been sort of spring even spring game stories you know really uh 
stepped up in the spring game, and then you don't see much of them when comes fall. But but I think he's probably a player that we'll see in the fall. Um, you know, Mickey talks about what nine guys he's got mm-hmm. that uh, he feels good about or whatever that he's working with, and and who's going to sort themselves out, do things the right way, and I think he's certainly in the mix in that sense. I I get the sense that it's legitimate that uh, you know that Mickey wouldn't say things. Um, just to be saying them. You know, he says them, he means them. Mike, want to go to Husker baseball. Of course, uh, the uh, the midweek game off due to weather. Michigan looms this weekend and not quite at the halfway point, but Nebraska, three games under 500. Still plenty of season left to, to shake things up and put a run together uh, to uh, to finish high in the Big Ten standings and then do some work in postseason, three walk-off wins. But Sunday, the uh, 21-4, just bludgeoning by the other A&M. Where's this baseball team at this year? Why why are they where they're at? Boy, that's a head-scratcher. You know, this team has picked to win the the Big Ten, and and it has not looked like a team that's even, you know, maybe how competitive it's going to be in the Big Ten for the – for the conference championship, I think there's a lot of questions there. I, I think Nebraska is at a point now where it's not so much the coaches; it's going to have to be some players in the in the locker room that are going to have to step up and take control and take be accountable on this thing. That I, whether that's captains, um, whether that's uh, players that aren't captains, you know, just uh, uh, somebody's got to step up in that locker room and say, "Hey, we got to we got to get things going here." And you. You know the Kyle Perry thing. That that's a concern. Um, already uh, no Jake Bunce. The pitching has been a concern. I I really feel like they they've got to get somebody that can go out there and they can have confidence in to give the team some confidence uh, on the mound. And you know they've defensively they've had breakdowns. Um, pretty much anything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And I think again that goes on. You know. Somebody on the team, a player has to step up, or players have to step up in that locker room and say, "Hey, we got to get this thing going here," um, because uh, I think you're losing ground every every time you have a game like that. You, that's that's a big drop right there. That's embarrassing. Yeah, Mike, you're talking about the embarrassment factor. Have you ever seen, ever, have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, 23 runs scored uh, at home against a team that isn't even a Power 5 school. Not to discount teams that aren't Power 5 in baseball. I know there's uh, more parity in college baseball and some of the other sports, but still, it's, it's not even a, a team that you think is going to be, say, making noise in the postseason by any means, and, and you let them put up 23 runs at your place on a rubber match on Sunday. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I, You know, I saw it the other way. I think it was a Chicago State came in here and got beat 50 to something. 53 to 3. Uh, 53 to the old, 3. The old, uh, the old last, yeah, this is not a misprint Dan Patrick moment on a late yeah. Friday night sports center. <laughs> yeah, that's how you have to look at that kind of score. If you, you do, said it was 21 to 4, it's like, oh, who Nebraska beat by that score? Um, yeah, that's that's not that's not Nebraska baseball. That's just that you know from from any standpoint that's unacceptable, and and that's not taking anything away from uh, Texas A and M Corpus Christi. It, it's just a matter of fact that uh, if you're picked to win the the Big Ten preseason, and then you go out there and get beat like that, no, that's not acceptable. 
there had been moments of some resilience with the, the three walk-off wins, right? Right. And you've got old, old Everett just smashing. He's He's been fantastic, but between errors and the rest of the lineup hitting below what they could be, pitching's an issue. I know they're they're young. It's a younger baseball team. You can't just carry over. It's, it's a new team, a new season. Did this team get caught up on in the headlines? Do you think, or was it just miscalculated? With okay, you're you're asking a lot from young talent to be, you know, Big Ten baseball ready this soon. Yeah, I, probably the latter. I pro- probably miscalculation. I mean, it, you know, there's that tendency. Obviously, the momentum that you have coming off the kind of season that Nebraska had last year, um, and you have to have some place to start. So. You know, let's let's start with uh, where they were last year, and and uh, even though you know the the look at the guys that they lost, um, there's some really talented players there, uh, not the least of whom uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, but um, and and Roskam and Hallmark, and I mean, it, it, you just have to take into consideration, I guess, those guys. Povich mm-hmm. is gone. Chance Roach is gone. Um, as you look at it now, it's like, gee, they lost a lot of talented guys, you know, um, and yet they're picked to win the Big Ten. But, you know, that's that's no excuse. Again, I think there has to be some accountability here um, because I think that they felt like they could. And, you know, maybe they were too wrapped up in what was being said about them. But, but at this point, that can't be a factor because, You've had things handed to you. You're not even 500. And, you know, Texas A&M Corpus Corpus Christi is about a 500 team. Yeah, so. they, they have not fared well in some of their, their, their big showdowns. They've not fared well against teams that they're supposed to, to air quote, beat and, and get confidence from and use to figure out roles for guys. It's just not been good all around. But we're not writing them off. Will Bolt, uh, an incredible coach, and uh, these guys will get better. I, I firmly believe that. Babbers, uh, always great to check in with you, bud. Always love talking with you. Thanks for a few minutes with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Be safe. All right. Mike Babcock with us. Find him on Twitter at MDBabs. And that podcast is going to be on the on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com. We'll have a SoundCloud of Babbers coming up on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter feed. What's up with Phil? Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, next. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thoughts on the NCAA tournament and uh, where Nebraska goes on their bench with the basketball program, Andy Markowski. 25 minutes away, we say hi to Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, I tried to bring some of that Arizona golf weather back for you. This 
uh, week, and I know Monday looked all right for you guys, but uh, hey, uh, I did what I could. How are you, man? I'm doing good. You didn't do a very good job of bringing that warm weather back, that's for sure. Well, it, it, it sliced away. Uh, let's just <laughs> say I, I almost found some patios or two. Uh, <laughs> but to my defense, it's a narrow course down there at Eagle's Nest in, in Goodyear. Uh, I, I, I drove it well for me, and uh, I, I putted uh, horribly. It's like I had a blindfold and a cigarette going. Oh, so. no. But, you know, you can't have it all, Shuey. You can't have it all. I got to ask you, uh, with Bryson's first tee shot here, with the, the match play going on, it ended up in a tent. Um, <laughs> what's the uh, the craziest tee shot you've, you've witnessed on tour in, in a bad way? Like, oh, no, he did that? Uh, probably, um, I, a guy hit it in the tents okay. <laughs> and instead of taking relief from the tents, he actually played it out of the tent over the railing on the green. So it was quite amazing. So how, how did that even, I mean, into the clown's mouth, right? How, how did, how did, how did, who, well, can you say who it was? Uh, God, I can't remember who it was. It was just a guy that I played with in an event that was a nobody okay. that we were playing, and he had a big old hook off the tee, <laughs> and it rattled around in the in the bleachers, and he was sitting up there, and it was actually really pretty good position, and okay. he, his drop would have been worse than where he played it from. So they moved a few chairs, and he just hit it right off the <laughs> right off the. <laughs> Uh, the top of the bleachers, oh, literally over the railing mm. and on the green. Man, where? Uh, what's what's the most trouble you had to get out of? Oh my gosh, I've been in all kinds of trouble before. <laughs> I can't <laughs> even think of how many times I've had to try to figure out how am I going to get out of this. <laughs> so I'll tell you a story. So I'm playing, and my good buddy, I played in the, at Whistling Straits, um, and one of my good buddies was caddying for me. And it was a PGA. Mm-hmm. And we were on the eighth hole, and uh, I hit it just off the fairway in one of their deep bunkers down there, and I had like 200-some yards left, and I'm like, I can get that on the green. So he, I looked at him. I said, you like this club? He's, he says, well, I like that club if you plan on making an eight. Oh, <laughs> so wow. he's like, probably wasn't the wisest choice. Sometimes we think that we're a little more capable of doing what we – uh, think we can do then what's probably prudent for the situation so needless to say i didn't hit that shot i kind of hit it out to the side and knocked it on and i made a five instead of an eight and he was probably right i probably would have still been there i love that mike shuart's with his wilderness ridge golf shuey let's get your thought here on on phil and not competing in the uh the 22 masters yeah i thought that was interesting i thought that would be his first tournament actually back but I think the backlash that he took, I think he uh, kind of felt like he needed to stay away for a little longer period of time to let the dust settle a little bit before he decided when it was the right time for him to come back. And obviously he decided that it wasn't the right time quite yet. With Phil, is that a situation where he's the one making the call or is it Augusta National that might be saying, eh, Maybe you should should hang out a little longer. No, that's Phil making that call, you okay. know, because with his, you know, track record there at Augusta, I mean, Phil's better off 
the tournament's better with Phil in the field than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. That's that's Phil's call there, not not playing. So should we tell us uh, what's happening at Wilderness, how the construction's going, what's spring looking like, what's the clubhouse situation? Give us an update, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, they are working like crazy, kind of all kinds of different things going on. We just reopened our uh, the dining area, so that looks absolutely stunning. So if you haven't had a chance to get out and, and to see it, you need to. I mean, it's beautiful, and they're working crazy on it downstairs they're out working on the pool no matter what putting a new deck on so they got man their work going on everywhere and it's moving right along so um, now we're just waiting for some golf weather to hit and uh we'll be rolling are the uh, the fairways starting to get green again with this rain you've been seeing the last couple days yeah it's been interesting because my office in our new uh pro shop and academy i have a big window that i get to look right out over the first tee and down 18 and 17 and uh, you can see a lot of green starting to pop just in the last couple of days. So we get a little warm weather. We start to get a few mows out there, and things will start greening up. So excited. Sure. We had uh, Coach Bill Bush yesterday uh, meeting with the media. Said he said he stuck his specialist out in the elements yesterday, had him go kick and punt in the rain and the wind. And he said that's, that came from his golf buddies who said sometimes you got to get out in the rain and play some golf to, to get the practice. And is that uh, a theory you subscribe to? Do you think you need to get out in the rain, out in the wind, out in the elements to, to improve your game? Very much so. I, I listened to that press conference, and that was very insightful of him because it is very true, you know, because you don't. I mean, playing outside an outdoor sport, I mean, it's very unpredictable on what you're going to get. So it's like you need to figure out and get comfortable learning how to play in all those kind of conditions. So, and me personally, I mean, I I, I like to play in the, the bad weather because if you have a really nice day, then it's even that much easier, you know? So if you're out playing in the wind and the rain and the things coming sideways and you can be okay in that, when you don't have that, and that means it's just that much easier. So I, I really kind of enjoyed listening to that press conference and him kind of using some golf analogies in there and references. Made a lot of sense. Schmitty, we got to go stick you out in the rain sometime for one of these shows to prove your, your radio game. No, I, I've, I've been in, any, in every type of weather uh, in my brief career. Uh, South Dakota playoff football game blizzard, mm, mm. all right, where there's snot frozen on one side and you can't enunciate or pronunciate because your mouth's frozen. Oh, yeah. So, yes, brother, I've done it. I don't know where that tape oh, yeah. is at to prove it, but uh, I was wearing sleeves, though. She was probably going, rolling sleeves up, going uh, going old black shirts there in the bad weather. But I, I, I get what Bush is saying, Shuey, and I know what you're saying, can you, A, mentally get through inclement conditions, and B, if you can survive that, you can survive anything? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that's what I said, you know, and then when I was out practicing and, and when I, I actually would then welcome some of those conditions because I knew that you are going to eliminate a lot of the field already because they're not ready for it mentally more than anything, you know. They're like, man, when it, why are we playing? You hear that all the time, and I'm like, man, I want to go play in that because – I mean, you just that that's eliminating some of your competition right there just because of the elements. So it's like I learned to embrace that and enjoy it uh, as opposed to not wanting to be out there. Chewy, real quick, how's your final four looking for the NCAA tournament? Well, the very first game I watched, I was already done. 
So oh, I had God. Iowa winning the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> no. I'm watching Iowa go down in the first game, so I'm like, oh, there goes my bracket. That's what you get so, for Iowa. <laughs> Iowa and Kentucky. So it's like, hmm, I had those two going. So uh, pretty much after the first hour of basketball, I was done. Hey, it's all right. There's always next year. Mike Shuart, Wilderness That's Ridge right. Golf. Shuey, will come see you soon, bud. Thanks for a few minutes. You bet. Glad to be back. All right, man. Good to see safe. you. You too. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winded down this first hour, it's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Give us a find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. More with Andy Markowski in 10 minutes on uh, Nebraska basketball's next steps and uh, his thoughts on the Sweet 16. We're down to Longwells tomorrow, 4-6, to six, kicking off the Sweet 16 Thursday and Friday, 4 to 6, down in the rail yard. Come on by, come see us, and uh, pop on over before Nebraska baseball as they uh, get ready to rock and roll with Michigan. I'm, I'm correct that it's at Haymarket. I've been gone about a week. I'm back. I, it's Nebraska-Michigan. That's a huge series. It's in Lincoln. Yes. I'm I, I just getting it all put back together. First day back, shaking the cobwebs a bit. So there we go. More on Tariq Hill and, and his Trade to Miami. What's that mean for the Chiefs? And we'll have some more football thoughts with spring as uh, Nebraska uh, now uh, two weeks or so away from the spring game in April. Reminder to get buckled up. Game preparation and repetition predict success in winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances. If a crash should happen, remember to always buckle up. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. (laughs) Words of wisdom from uh, one Will Compton. Bleep almighty, seniors in high school getting deals better than quarterbacks in the NFL. Sports Illustrated reporting that the class of 2023 football recruits signed NIL deals potentially worth over eight million dollars gotta hedge your bets man which business owner in lincoln listening to the show right now is going to start putting together their their package for dylan riola that's the question hey he's at arizona today visiting the wildcats listen if you don't get him with a successful 2022 season to still be here first of all second of all you've got Pickett and and where he ends up in the draft you got a track record with Big Ben as the OC. Got a great relationship with with Papa. All right, Donovan being a, a big time Nebraska guy. Your uncle is your O line coach. All those things are lining up for you. And I mean, all you got to do is win and show that you can have high level quarterback play. You had decent quarterback play. wasn't as consistent as you liked. All right. With Adrian, not all on him, but he wasn't perfect either, plus the injury factor, all right? So th- there's that. But it, for Nebraska, and I know you're going up against 
Ohio State. I know you're going up against Bama. I know you're going up against uh, USC, right? You think of the quarterback schools that are out there, Texas. Nebraska's got an angle, and it's a better angle than most, to go get him. But what are you going to do from a development standpoint with the transfer portal addition you got in Casey mm. with with a win, if he wins the job, when he wins the job, depending on how what camp you're in? What are you going to do with the guy like Harburg, who's got all this the the the, the, the skills and the, the the tools to to be really good? You've got Torres, you know, put some some proof, some film out there, and you have a chance to do that this year. Hour two is on the way with Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Thanks for hanging out. It's Hour 2, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the pride of Ord, Husker Basketball standout. We'll get his take on the Sweet 16 and what's next for the Big Red. Eddie Markowski with us. Find him on Twitter at Markowski underscore Andy. Andy, what are you doing? How are you? Not too bad, Schmidt. I'm actually in rainy uh, Chicago, so got in this morning for a couple days. So uh, the weather's no different here than it is uh, back home, I think. Well, I was in sunny Arizona, and uh, I had a brief sprinkle slash dust storm, I'm thinking Sunday, but for the most part, it it was awesome, and uh, I wish I would have sent it your way and, and brought some of it here. Unable to do that. Andy, let's uh, get your, your take on the the Nebraska women to start off with and tough one against Gonzaga back and forth ball game tight one at half and a little too much zags in the end but but overall what was your takeaway with this season yeah a great season you know certainly disappointing to um you know to maybe not play your best basketball in in the tournament but you know credit Gonzaga I think it was a a tough draw with a veteran team that had a lot of NCAA tournament experience and you know I think that showed but you know, a lot, a lot to build on. Uh, you know, potentially the, the the starting five late in the year. You know, all has a chance to come back. So I, I think they built some momentum. Uh, did a lot of good things. And you know, right now there's four, you know, Big Ten teams, uh, women teams in the Sweet 16, and, and Nebraska has two wins against that. So it, it tells them that they're they're close. But you know, probably need to add a couple more pieces and uh, another good off season of, of skill work, and, and hopefully they can can run it back next year. Andy Markowski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Flipping it around, what do you make of the Big Ten's men's squads and their performance in the NCAA tournament? 
Yeah, I'm not as critical as, as most. I mean, if you look at the seating, um, you know, um, we were projected to, to have three teams into the Sweet 16, right? Iowa was a five seed. You know, certainly them getting upset uh, was a surprise, but it, it wasn't to me. I, I think that's always hard, uh, you know, when you win a conference tournament and then they caught a Thursday – Two o'clock draw. I, I wish the NCAA tournament committee would would do a better job with that, and, and maybe the teams that had to play on Sunday, you know, should be kind of grandfathered in to, to play a Friday game just to give them a little bit more recovery. I thought Iowa, you know, looked tired, but um, credit, you know, Michigan had a had a good showing, and then you know, obviously Purdue is, is kind of carrying the banner with uh, maybe the one team that has the, the, the capabilities of getting to a, a Final Four, but. You know, in the end, when you you know when you have a six and a seven and a nine and a ten, that, those teams aren't going to get to the Sweet Sixteen. That's just not how it's set up. And um, you know, everybody loves to see uh, Cinderella stories, but um, you know, I thought Illinois is probably the most disappointing. I thought their physicality would would be able to hold up against Houston, and, and it did. Um, so that, that was probably my biggest surprise. But the fact that they have two teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, you know, I still think is a, is a fair showing, and I think Purdue has a good draw to, to get to the lead eight. We'll get back to the Sweet 16 in a moment. Andy, when I turned to Nebraska basketball and Sam Griesel coming back home, uh, he was uh, a high-level player in high school, loved covering him, was really excited to see how, how well he performed at North Dakota State and now uh, is leaving there to, to head back to Lincoln. Uh, a thought on Sam and, and what he can do for Fred and Fred's offense. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, local kid, you always you know love to to see local, uh, you know, whether it be Lincoln or Nebraska kids uh, stay home. I, I thought in high school, uh, you know, it was probably a stretch for Sam to to play BCS basketball. Uh, you know, he needed to get a little better with the ball in his hand and get a little stronger. And you know, I think his experience at North Dakota State and just his work ethic over those four years. Uh, you know, really allowed him to flourish and, and become a, a very good basketball player. Um, I had a chance to spend some time with the Nebraska staff uh, Tuesday morning, and you know, I, I think their plans for for Sam is to put the ball in his hands as a as a veteran guard. He became a playmaker for North Dakota State. You know, his last couple of years in his career, and you know, hopefully that can kind of stabilize that that point guard decision making spot for Nebraska, which at times, you know, the consistency just wasn't there with with Verge and Webster and. You know, adding a 22-year-old fifth-year, you know, senior um, that is probably a team-first guy. You know, hopefully that's the first piece to a to a great offseason. What was uh, what was was it brunch? Was it a little OJ? Was it just Andy shooting, uh, playing horse? I mean, tell me a little more about Tuesday with the staff. No, oh, just uh, it was just one assistant, and, and I got caught up. That you know, um, they're trying to do a great job of of reaching out, reconnecting, and. Um, you know, Coach Linzer and, and I just you know talked talked shop for an hour, so it was great to uh, to, to have some time and, and, and get to see kind of uh, behind the curtains a little bit with their vision. And, and uh, you know, I'm always willing, willing to, to help and add value where, where I can. And you know, I think that's what a alumni relationship looks like. But um, but yeah, they were they were super excited to, to add that piece. And you know, obviously they they have some more pieces to to add to, to try to rebuild uh, this group to, to be a little bit more competitive in the Big Ten next season. A few minutes here, Andy Markowski spending time with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Big Red Basketball on our mind. So you have uh, Nebraska and Coach Abdel Massey parting ways. There's uh, an opening and a need for kind of that ace recruiter spot on Fred's staff. Uh, you also have Doc moving on with his position being eliminated 
you know, where can Nebraska turn uh, to on their bench? Last time we talked, there had been nothing official announced, officially announced. Now there's one opening, and then you want a veteran guy as well in some capacity on on staff. And the last part of this this question, do you think Doc's just going to retire? Do you think Doc finds his way back down to, to KU or Iowa State or what, what do you think what do you think I'm serious what do you think Doc's future looks like Yeah you know it's it's um you know who who knows with Doc I think Doc loves people I mean he loves basketball uh, you know there's a value that he can provide some somebody you know I, I don't think you know Doc is probably doing this for for money anymore right I mean mm-hmm. you know he had a had a good run at at Nebraska and you know in a buyout and then you know with a head coach had another stop so you know, my my guess is knowing Doc, he, he's gonna he's gonna land on a staff in, in in some capacity that probably doesn't require him to to travel and recruit and, and do a lot of the off the court stuff. But you know, uh, with his history and experience with with some great coaches uh, through the years, I'm I'm betting he'll he'll land somewhere just because he he loves the game and uh, you know he's well networked and and there's a lot of people that would. Would, would welcome his uh, his knowledge, especially on the defensive end, into their uh, you know into their team team huddles and, and coaches meetings. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of on the same page with you. Doc, Doc getting done, he'll he'll be somewhere. But overall, uh, when it comes to the appeal here, Andy of of where Fred can go, you've got a lot of staff shakeups already. You have different transitions. Is there a line of guys that are are excited to maybe work with Hoiberg here? in this upcoming season, knowing that you need to win, but it's, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's fluid with what's coming back versus what's departed. Yeah. I, you know, I think last time we spoke, it's Nebraska, you know, I I think they're going to pay a a going rate, you know, they need an assistant that can do everything. Right. I I think when you have three full-time assistants, you know, you need to have, people that can recruit, you need people that can coach offense, people that can coach defense. I mean, you need a coach that can bring, you know, a lot of different, you know, areas to, to that position. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're, you know, married with, with four kids and, and you don't want to move a bunch, you know, that, that person's probably not looking at Nebraska as a, as a great, you know, move in, in their career. But there's a lot of other uh, assistant coaches that are, are hungry, would, would love to spend a year with, you know, with Fred, a guy that, that really knows offense and, you know, knows, you know, NBA, you know, caliber offense where we're all looking to expand and grow. So you know, I'm, I'm confident that list will, will be long of, of talented people that can bring value uh, to the program. I think Fred's challenge is, you know, finding that right fit, uh, finding somebody that maybe can bring some things on the defensive side to, to help them, maybe some knowledge of, of the Big Ten, you know, and certainly, uh, you know, a, a six foot eleven center that can hold up in the Big Ten would would be nice as well. So, you know, the assistants have connections to players, whether they recruited them to another school or they're in the transfer portal and they had a relationship. So, I'm sure Fred's analyzing all that and trying to figure out who, who and and, and who brings the most variables and and can help with the pieces to to help them win next year. Right? It's not like Fred has a has a five year window here. They're they're going to have to. Uh, add some you know i think the point guard position you know got addressed they need to make sure they hang on to some of their wings uh, but they need to get better on the front line so i'm assuming the assistant coach is going to have to have some some responsibility or value in that area is is if they don't address their front line they're going to have a hard time winning the league again next year 
So that's that's pretty much on the resume, right? Like, okay, when it comes to the job title listing, need you to bring badass dude for Big Ten uh, wrestling matches in the paint. Is that right, Andy? Is that yep. how it's worded? Well, if I was if I was submit my resume, knowing their need, I would I would certainly highlight that, Chris, on my resume that I I had a seven footer ready to uh, to sign uh, once I got the job. So. What uh, what do you think of, of Bryce and his declaration? What have you seen? What have you heard from folks at the next level with uh, with Bryce's projections? Yeah, I haven't you know personally talked to, to anyone. You know, I've I've, I've tried to gauge uh, kind of where the different uh, you know people I respect in, in the business, and you know I, I do think he's a first round pick. I, I don't think he's a lottery pick. I, I think somebody will will take a chance on him in, in the twenties and thirties. You know, the great thing about you know, uh, basketball, uh, not like the, the NFL combine, you actually get to go play and compete against each other. And in football, it's, you know, you can't really do that. You're going off measurable. So they're, they're going to put him into, into some workouts, into some different combine situations where, you know, he's going to have a chance to, to, to go and work uh, against other guys considered first-round draft picks. So, you know, the better he does in those environments, uh, you know, he has a chance to move up in that, that early 20 range. But, you know, I think probably late late 20s is where I see him uh, settling, which is, is still great. You know, go in and develop, get stronger, commit your whole day to nutrition and basketball and not have to balance the academic side like they do in, in college. And, you know, once the NBA, uh, you know, year four or five, they, they, they hope they hit on, on on young talent so they can sign up to that next big contract. Andy Markowski with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking uh, Big Red Basketball. Eduardo into the portal what what retention do you anticipate or can you at this point with with what what's back for Nebraska? Yeah, I, I'm not going to get in the minds of all the players. I, I think you can kind of go through and, and figure out which kids were getting utilized late in the year. You know, which kids were having some success. You know, which kids worked. And you know, if you're if you're just not playing, or you know, you were playing and you kind of moved to the bench, and the, the people in front of you are still in the, on the roster. You know, I, I think kids leave for a lot of reasons. So, you know, you, you start to look at a few of the few of the wings that didn't play. You know, I, I don't anticipate them being back. You know, I, I thought Andre had a, a chance to, to potentially, you know, play a little bit more next year. But, but obviously, um, you know, I don't know if the system fit, fit him great either. Um, so I, they're going to have turnover. But, you know, this day and age, um, if you can replace them with veteran guys like, Sam Greisel that 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 have some winning and some culture and some you know high level success. Um, you know the, the, you can fix things quickly, but you know we we you also can miss like they've done the last couple of years on a few of these transfers. Andy, let's talk Sweet Sixteen. Uh, do you think Gonzaga gets uh, survives the weekend? Let me ask that. They have Arkansas. You got Nova, Michigan, Texas Tech, Duke, and then. About Arizona, they got scared by TCU. Uh, Kelvin and company wait for them uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, there's kind of three games I'm looking at. I I, I think uh, Duke can beat Gonzaga. However, I, I don't think Duke can beat Texas Tech. So uh, so to answer your question, uh, Gonzaga will get through if if uh, Texas Tech beats Duke. Um, but I think Duke matches up pretty good at Gonzaga. I'm interested in the, in the Arizona Houston game. Houston was a little bit more. Tougher and physical than than maybe I thought. I I think the question mark on Arizona is you know uh, they really surprised everybody being a one seed. So that that's an intriguing game to me. And then the blue blood game with uh, with UCLA um, and North Carolina. You know it's kind of kind of fun to to see those. North Carolina has been you know relatively down, not mm-hmm. not uh, 
uh, down by North Carolina standards. To see them back in the Sweet 16 playing UCLA is kind of a fun game to, to reminisce and, and think about the great uh, teams both of those programs have had. What about the Cinderella story of the Sweet 16 in uh, St. Peter's? St. Peter's, yeah, yeah. the old Peacocks. They're going up against yeah, Purdue. Well, Did you, they've, is, they've is Purdue played, Mortal? They've played, they've played really well. Um, you, you know, you got to give them credit. They've been a, a tough group. I, I picked Purdue to win it all. So I, I, I think that hopefully their Cinderella story stops. So at least I have one team to save my bracket because the other side <laughs> hasn't been uh, very productive. The U and Iowa State. We got a we got a ten eleven shakedown going Friday for the for the nightcap on TBS. Iowa State's played great defense, and old Larinaga got the extension, and he's uh, he's making Miami look pretty smart. Yeah, crazy. You know, Jim was at Bowling Green at, at one point, and you know, I, I coached there, so you know, got to know him and his son Jay, which is in the uh, NBA now. So funny, I would have guessed, you know, Jim would have retired a decade ago, right? He seems to be, you know, took George Mason to the to the Final Four as a, as a mid-major. So, you know, obviously he could coach. But how about Iowa State, right? Took last in the Big 12 by a lot of the uh, preseason polls. And, and uh, to be in the Sweet 16 shows you that, you know, you can turn, you know, basketball teams around pretty quickly with the, with the right pieces. So, you know, that gives you hope that, you know, maybe a rebuild doesn't – Excuse me. Doesn't take three or four years, so um, you know, fun to see some local, uh, you know, Kansas and Iowa mm-hmm. State and some some area teams in the Sweet Sixteen. You going to Gibson's tonight for a fillet? I'm not. It's a uh, prime some prime steakhouse. So I always chuckle. I come here and uh, you know order an eighty dollar fillet, and it comes from Nebraska uh, <laughs> that we can buy for for twenty five dollars. So not exactly a real economical uh, choice eating downtown Chicago. Well, enjoy, Andy. Thanks for squeezing us in, bud. We'll talk soon. You take care, okay? All right. Thanks, fellas. There he is. Andy Markowski with us. We'll talk to Reek Hill, to the fish. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Open phones here if you want to chime in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Tariq Hill off to Miami. It's the uh, big story today. You have Chief fans freaking out on social media. Totally get it. And uh, Ego, the culprit here. It's not that KC didn't or wouldn't pay him. Four years, $120 million, $72.2 million guaranteed by Miami. The Chiefs get five draft picks. The 29th pick, the 50th pick, and the fourth-round selection for 2022, a fourth and a sixth in 2023. Yeah, the extension that was offered by the Chiefs to be one of the highest-paid wideouts in pro football, but not the highest-paid Wide out in his own division. Devontae Adams' deal with the Raiders screwed that up. Can you replace 
We're all replaceable. But specifically with this offense, I mean, I put I put the difficulty to air quote replace Tariq Hill at like 11 out of 10, not 7 out of 10. That's how much he means because it opens up the rest of the offense where you send him on on a on a skiddy post and oh the safety's freaking out got to pay attention on top of the defensive back Kelsey is great got open because of Tariq Hill you had the dig routes for whoever was playing your wide out on the outside was more open you had the swing passes the checkdowns that were more open to Clyde and company because of Tariq Hill, on top of the the perfect fit for this offense with Hill and his skill set, where you could just dump it to him on a flat route and watch him go because he's insanely good after the catch. You have Smith Schuster, you have Hardman. I love Kelsey. You have Kelsey. They're all gonna they're all gonna have to be great and. I mean, you have more of a, a slowed down, methodical nine to twelve play drive Chiefs second half of the year. That that's what they turned into. They can always reinvent. But think of the scramble drill. How your heart was in your throat if your team was playing the Chiefs and Mahomes got flushed. Guess what? Guess who was working back or getting Mahomes' attention? And it turned into a bomb. Think of the Buffalo game. As great a football game as that is and was, it it was it was Hill that was the game changer, the difference maker, and he's matchup hell. Did the Chiefs get worse? I don't know. I think he's worth a game or two. The rest of the division's gotten better. And while I understand the throwing a ton of money at him. The fact that he pretty much put the phone down because he wasn't the highest paid guy, that's on him. Hot take, this will probably look, it'll turn out and have a great finish career-wise in Miami. But I I think, who needs who more? Who made who? Mm. And my question and answer is this. I I think Hill really made the Chiefs, but I think everything around Hill with the Chiefs is gone. We can talk about Miami being better. We can talk about Miami's receiving core. We can talk about the Dolphins' better offensive line. We can talk about the the, the Miami's running game. <laughs> you, you're trading Tua for Mahomes. And Tua may have a nice career. Tua may get to a Pro Bowl or a playoff or a Super Bowl. But what you had was perfect. Tailored to you with help around you. And and you may listen from a from a negotiating standpoint, not many if any can do what Hill does in that offense in this situation. That's reason enough to pay the guy, but Kansas City's always been good, very very good at drafting, developing and scouting, finding the Tariq Hills of the world. Nicole Hardman's a quick twitch just freak athlete in space. Hill's what we've seen for the last six years. Baggage and all, he's been incredible. And of an 11-man defensive alignment, he still beats two or three of your guys. And if you focus two or three guys on him, 
Kelsey's waiting there to, to break one off and walk off. But now that's gone. Kansas City will adjust, but they took a major, major hit short-term by losing him. I don't know how short-term until the NFL draft, I think. But I think they have enough draft capital that whichever wide receiver they like in the draft this year, they can go get. I'm not going to – I'm not saying I think they're going to go trade up and move up for a guy just because of how deep there's this lot, wide receiver there's, class there's is. There's a lot of guys in this class, but you're not going to find him. You're not going to find the same skill set. No, you're, you're, you're guy not, in the NFL that is insane after the catch. You're, you're never going to replace that like for like, but I think the the Chiefs are hedging their bet – or not hedging their bet. They're, they're, they're making the bet here that it, it wasn't – Tyree Kill that made Patrick Mahomes great. It was Patrick Mahomes that made Tyree Kill so great. And I think they're just going to make make the bet here that this offense will still be fine. It may not be as dynamic, but it'll still be fine with another very good wide receiver in that same spot. Because I don't think anyone, you're right, no one is going to replace Tyree Kill. But I think you can find guys that can still keep that offense running, and then it gives you the the ability to go invest more into your defense, let's say. It gives you the ability to to distribute your money in other ways uh, among that roster. I think it's going to work out fine. I think in three years you look back on this trade, and I think you're going to say the Chiefs won this Chiefs over survived the it. I, I think in let's say, 365 days from now, you might look back at this trade and go, not sure what the Chiefs were thinking. I think give it three, four years with all the picks that they got. I think the Chiefs are going to come out the winner of this trade because, I mean, look at the receivers in the draft. You can have Chris Olave fall to you without moving up. George Pickens from Georgia, a I, freak, I, can I, fall to you. I Watson from North Dakota State, I love that kid. He's going to be incredible. But There's the, so but, many but, wide receivers. But Hill's 4-2 in pads and can stop on a dime and then accelerate 0-60 to 60 like he's a Corvette or Ferrari. Or pick your favorite sports car. Ken emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Two is no Mahomes. Kaseki's no Kelsey. It was overpayment. Very, very good take. Miami did overpay, but you but they, had... They got Speed City going now down there. Well, that's fine, but you still got two with throwing you the football or, or on his back attempting to throw you the football. The rest of the West got better. Russell and Randy to Donkey Land. You have Khalil Mack with the Chargers. Devontae to Vegas. The Chiefs got to pay Orlando Brown. I get it. But, man, you have a much more level playing field in the West. I think I was saying this before football or before the playoffs this year where a championship window, Tom Brady's kind of spoiled us there. Championship windows aren't as long as you think once you have to start paying your quarterbacks, once you have to start paying those guys that you've drafted. And I think this is effectively not closing the Chiefs championship window but it's they're, they're, it's they're, shrunk it. it it's it's shrunk it I don't think the the championship window is going to be open this next year but it's saying we're going to extend our window with Mahomes by instead of overpaying Tyreek Hill who might only have his speed for three four more years let's go extend the window let's give ourselves a chance two three years from now to give ourselves another championship window here's the thing though once you, if you get dethroned as Kansas City if you go from 12 and 4, 13 and 3, and I know I'm going off of 16 game seasons, so forgive me. But point is this Kansas City's always had home field. They, Mahomes has never had to go on the road. Not that he can't, but he hasn't had to for a playoff ball game. Hasn't had to jack with it. You've got the rest of that division that's really gotten marketably better and is now straight up a fist fight anyway but now has some key pieces to screw you up, either on defense or to try and match your firepower. Buffalo's looming right there on you. Cincinnati got to the Super Bowl, for the love of God, in year two with their quarterback and setup. 
and and they're they're making changes. They're going to upgrade their offensive line. They're going to continue to be an opportunistic defense. They're going to be a balanced offense with a with a with a game breaker at wide receiver. I just think in the short term, and if you get knocked off, that window's not closed. It's not locked. It has just shrunk, and you're asking guys to step their game up and and have the same effect the Hill has had for a number of years with this Chiefs offense. What's RG3 say about it? Pretty good insight from a former NFL guy with uh, what Tariq does and also the Miami side of this. You're partnering Tua uh, and, and getting Tyreek to partner with Devontae Parker, with Jalen Waddle. These guys, you know, they brought in Ryan Mostert at running back, Chase Edmonds at running back. They just signed Teron Armstead. I mean, McDaniel and his staff are literally putting the pieces together to go out and compete at the highest level. I wouldn't say that they're like Super Bowl contenders at this point, but they're going to give a lot of teams a lot of headache. And when you look at the Chiefs, like now they're asking more out of Travis Kelsey. They're asking more out of Juju Smith-Schuster. They're asking more to Miko Hardeman and then praying that Josh Gordon uh, can have a resurgence, the former All-Pro. But getting the first-round pick for the Chiefs is big because this receiver class is very, very deep and very talented. So maybe they feel like they can mimic the success with Tyreek Hill. Uh, but I don't see that. I don't see it right now. I don't know. Tyreek Hill is a very special player, and those guys don't grow on trees. He said it. They're special, and he's special in the perfect offense. Last thought here on Hill. You know, with with Mahomes, who bailed who out? I mean, Mahomes is so key, but that chemistry those two guys had, incredible. If I'm if I'm Mahomes, I'm freaking. I know you just got Juju, and he he's really good. But he and Tariq, Tariq's proven. Tariq's taken over games. Tariq's won you games single handedly. And how many times has Mahomes had to run for his life? to make an incredible throw on the run. A lot. And guess who was on the other side getting open when it's helter-skelter time and the breakdown happens? <laughs> it was Hill. And it was Hill lighting up an entire defense getting behind. And just think about getting in field goal range. Think about getting in field goal range for Butker to do his thing in the waning moments of regulation. I just think the Chiefs are playing the long game here. You're looking at the fact that the Bills are going to have to pay Josh Allen his money starting uh, after this next season. His cap hit goes up a ton. Uh, the Bengals are going to have to pay Joe Burrow. Uh, the Chargers are going to have to pay Justin Herbert. All these teams are going to have to start paying their young quarterbacks. And I, I think uh, the Chiefs are just looking at it and going, well, do we want to compete with these teams this year that only have to pay their, their franchise quarterbacks $8 million and if we're paying our guy $38 million or are we going to wait for them to start paying that money and everything will kind of even out in the AFC? I think they're playing the long game here and saying we have Patrick Mahomes. We can still win a championship 10 years from now and uh, we, we, don't, we don't need Chiefs to Chiefs reinvented towards the second half of the season and found a new way to win without being as explosive. Who wowed you uh, with Nebraska's pro day? I think Deontay. I mean, yeah. we know who did what at the Combine. And good for those guys. But Deontay really showed quite a bit. I like Deontay. Uh, I liked what we saw from Samari Toure running the 4-4s. Four yeah. And then Cam Jurgens, another incredible Cam's three-cone was, was nuts. A jock doc's on the way. What's the word on Zion? Is he ready to help uh, get at least play-in ready? Uh, Dr. Uh, Brandon Seifert's next. Next. <laughs> 
Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio back with you on a Wednesday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday with Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We say hi to Dr. Brandon Seifert. Dr. Brandon, good to spend time with you. How are you? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys? Well, we're uh, we're doing well, and it, it looks like uh, Zion Williamson fans and Pelican fans are doing a little bit better thanks to Instagram as uh, Zion was doing a Dr. Brandon tribute with that windmill dunk. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. <laughs> the, old nerf, yeah, good. the old nerf hoop, right? <laughs> you didn't see that it was down at six foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yours and mine both. But let's dive into to Zion. And it's been frustrating uh, for a lot of this season. He's had a right foot fracture that has kept him out all of this season. He's had setbacks, but was able to go play one-on-one. Let's reset what what Zion's been dealing with here, Dr. Brandon, with this right foot fracture. Got to take us into uh, the ailment, the fracture, and then potential setbacks by coming back potentially too soon. Why has it been such a long road for uh, such a great player? Yeah, you know, great questions, Chris. You know, the, the big thing here, you know, just kind of rewinding back from an anatomic perspective, you know, the injury that Diane had was what we call a fifth metatarsal fracture. It's basically a fracture that happens at the base of that, uh, um, uh, we call the metatarsal bone that comes off the small toe. So it's kind of back towards the midfoot. Um, the common fracture uh, in our athletes, especially our high-level basketball players, uh, the specific name for it is called a Jones fracture. Uh, we've talked about this before, some other athletes. Why it's important is it's in an area that doesn't have great blood supply. Um, so typically, if you're going to get a fraction of area, it does not heal well. That's why we fix these surgically to try to help promote that. Um, but even athletes who, you know, we do these surgeries on, there still is a chance that, you know, with that kind of limited blood supply in the area, it may not totally heal, um, may continue to cause issues in the area. Uh, this is kind of like a Yao Ming-type issue as well. Um, and so as you look at what Zion's going through, it, it basically had the surgery last year, had a nice recovery, and then as he's gone through this, he's continued to have pain on the outside of that foot, and then as they've looks like they've done some further imaging and studies on this, that there's a question about whether or not this is healing appropriately. In fact, I think it was recently out in Los Angeles and had uh, uh, some kind of bone stimulants injected into the area to try to further promote healing. I think there's even been some talk of a possible second surgery for this. Um, You know, fortunately, it's rare to get into that situation where you're having to talk about second surgery 
maybe not totally healed, um, but can happen. Um, you know, do you look at a guy like him and just the size of the guy? I mean, the guy's a you know a large fellow, very muscular. You think at what think about what he can do athletically with his size. You know, does that maybe contribute to this? You know, that's a potential uh, as being an issue. Uh, but in the end, and this can just be a pesky area where the blood supply issue really does become a big issue. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. A Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Zion Williamson, our topic, as he's getting back from that Jones fracture, able to do some one-on-one and some dunking, uh, and maybe it, it moves the direction of full clearance to where he can help New Orleans get into that, at least that play-in setup where they're, they're 10th now without him. He could give him a jolt forward. What are some preventative things moving forward? Say, say, say Zion comes back. There's no more setbacks, and he's able to to play well. What's what's a need or something necessary for him moving forward to to take care of this region? The Jones fracture, uh, you know, hesitancy. You don't want to have. A re-injury, you don't want to have a new injury uh, with just his size and, and how much pressure and weight are, is going on his foot. For him, you can mm. place the shoe that might help him. That's a possibility. Um, you definitely want to look at him from a nutritional perspective. You want to make sure you're maximizing his vitamin D, all those really important kind of bone growth substitutes. You want to make sure that you're maximizing those for him. So that's that's probably what they're looking at. Um, and then you take a guy like him and you start asking the question about, okay, why you know why is he not healing? We talked about kind of the size of him, um, but you could also take a look at it from a structural perspective. Does he have some type of maybe foot alignment deformity that's kind of leading to extra stress in this area. Uh, there's a fancy term out there called metatarsus adductus, where your metatarsals, the long bones in your feet are kind of pointed in the wrong direction, which then basically kind of centers all that force over that area where he's experiencing his fracture issue. Um, so does he need some kind of corrective alignment? That could be another possibility they might have to think about for him. Um, I think obviously managing kind of his weight is going to be important. Um, he's probably a guy that you know, may have to slim up a little bit, maybe play a little slimmer than maybe what his body would naturally be at, just so you're taking away some of that force. Um, and then obviously you think about you know the player he is, the, the power and the jumping ability he has. Um, how do you try to maybe change his game a little bit and limit some of that for him at times? Uh, but that's that's tough when you look at his game and how he scores his points and the force that he is. Dr. Brandon, you mentioned the, the possibility of being able to put some sort of insert in his shoe to be able to play. And I believe that's what they did with, with Derrick Henry for the playoffs because he came back from, I think it was the same injury, and they had a, a metal plate in his cleat. Is, is that similar to what you're talking about with an insert into this uh, this shoe for Zion Williamson? Yes, there'd be a couple. Great question. There'd be a couple of options there. One of the ones that uh, we use most commonly with these, uh, I like. It's called a carbon fiber foot plate. So traditionally, it used to be a metal, basically insert you put in the shoe. It, it kind of looks like the insole of your shoe, pretty thin. Uh, the metal ones are pretty heavy. That's why they've shifted to the carbon fiber ones that are wafer thin, super strong, and lightweight. That basically takes all that flex out of your shoe, especially in the midfoot section where this fracture is. And so that's definitely a go-to. All of our, our athletes I take care of this injury, that's what they're going into when they go back and play. So it probably already has that part of it. The other thing you could think about, as we talked about some of that structural stuff, if there's maybe a little bit of a structural issue, alignment issue with this foot, you could talk, talk about something like an orthotic, which can you know kind of create some, uh, some different uh, structural alignment for the foot. So that's another option for him, too. 
that would be probably more kind of what I would be thinking about at this point because my guess is they probably tried the footplate thing already. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. A jock doc Wednesday. Zion Williamson uh, could be ready to go here sooner rather than later. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, our jock doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, last thought here. With uh, with Zion, and, and I look at him and his size and in his game, and I know the NBA is not as physical as it used to be. So traditionally you have bigs that, that can around their game to, to have more range versus just always banging down low on the block. Um, that that might be an option uh, for him to, to kind of slim up and, and, and maybe add a little more finesse versus the, the brute power uh, with his – with his foot, is is this just a situation where maybe it's just going to be how it's going to be? And I mean by what I mean by that is it's just always going to be something lingering that he'll have to play through. Yeah, you know, Chris, that, that is a good question. Um, you know, a difficult difficult thing to answer. You know, because it sure could be. Um, you look across the you know, kind of the history of NBA basketball. Um, these can be really pesky and these can be tough things to kind of get over. Um, I'm not saying he's headed for, you know, a career ending injury mm-hmm. here, but these can be things that are just nagging. And so that's a good point. This mm-hmm. might be something he always kind of struggles with. Um, you know, I think before I would kind of doom him to that pathway, um, I think I'd be curious to know how he feels if they can get that, you know, bony part to look really good on x-ray. So he really does have a, you know, pretty significant filling of that bone. If you get him to that point, if you can get him to that point, that's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think a lot of that nagging pain probably goes away and he feels pretty good. Uh, but I still think you might have to make just some changes again to the end of the game and definitely kind of his size. Dr. Brandon, great stuff. We'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes today. You bet, buddy. You guys take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, uh, podcast uh, there for you. Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play where you can download, subscribe. It don't cost you nothing, as Baluto said to the two potential pledges walking into the Delta house that first time. Don't ask what he did to their leg. Point is, you walk in, you get a beer. Don't cost nothing. We're not quite as tasty as a beer, but some days perhaps. So you subscribe to us. Hail Varsity Radio. Good, bad, or ugly, give us a review. We love the reviews and the feedback. And Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. In fact, check out all the family I heard at, folks. Incredible podcasts for the people you love who cover Nebraska football or high school athletics. Jim Harbaugh uh, is still wowed 
in those khakis with what happened Nebraska, Michigan, that night venue on ABC. That was insane. Yeah. What an atmosphere. That that uh, game day experience. Pause this real quick. Was- real quick. This is clean to run, correct? Yeah. Okay, I, I just don't know. And Will and, and, uh, and old Taylor get rocking. I just, I just had to, oh, wait a minute. I said fire. <laughs> Making sure we're okay. Let's, let's restart. That was my fault. Well, man, I, I sure hope it's clean. Well, do we, do, we need to re, do we need to preview it? Okay. We're going to preview this so it's suitable for airplay. I may have saved us thousands of dollars. I may have wasted 90 seconds. We shall see. You can send your emails, chris at hailvarsity.com. Elijah's just, just disgusted with me. Okay. And action. That was insane. Yeah. What an atmosphere. That, that uh, game day experience at Memorial was off the chain as the young people say yeah you know uh the the music the the third the thing they do between the third and the fourth quarter. oh my when the lights go off and the red lights yes bro what's the song they play yeah it's a a metallica song or (laughs) heavy metal song oh that's tough it is tough but i know i should know that some dude with long hair banging (laughs) away on his Guitar thunderstruck, thunderstruck by come ACDC, on, come on. Yeah. Uh, as well as Metallica's from San Francisco, ACDC's from London there or was, from England. There's also me. the little intro is it smells like Teen Spirit. So that, that was that's that's my band is Nirvana. Mm, mm. You want to fire up any friends of yours from Seattle of a certain age? Tell them tell them Nirvana is overrated, and they'll 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 be ready to fight. I, I would never say anything like that. No, I would. I, I did it as, as a way to poke the bear. I have never mind on vinyl remastered. Ooh, yeah, good work, a good one. We were down at Longwell's tomorrow. Speaking of beer, uh, seventy six plus to choose from. Longwell's tomorrow, four to six. Come get your seat. Come hang out. Go watch NCAA basketball. The Sweet Sixteen. We're there tomorrow. We're there Friday. Want to see you? Some goodies to give away. Uh, good road show tomorrow at Longwell's Hale Varsity down there, 4 to 6, right ahead of Sweet 16. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.